What's up, y'all? Welcome to the Rideshare Rodeo, gig worker news and interviews, only at RidesharerRodeo.com. I'm your host, SJ, and it's time to get it on. Welcome to November, everybody. How you doing? How you doing? How you doing? It's good to good to have you all here this week. Uh, this week is going to be a little bit of a short episode. We have a have a very uh, crazy week ahead. Um, tons of stuff going on. Even today, first of November, um, David Para, David from Para, uh, David Pickerell, and I will be on the Show Me the Money Club, uh, the Rideshare Guys show with Sergio and Chris. Uh, I also have something going with Kim Cavan tomorrow. I got a thing with Hannibal going this week on his channel. Hannibal is hungry. So if you get over to YouTube, you want to check all those out. Um, but everything will appear. You know, the Kim Cavan piece I will bring over to the audio podcast as well. So don't worry. Uh, that will be here in full for you guys that like to check out the audio portion. Um, I do want to shout out to our new sponsor, uh, ParaWorks, Para. And, uh, yeah, some of the things that I'll be getting into will start next week with the Para stuff, and I will try and help all of you guys navigate through that. But Para is not only the tip transparency app that you once thought it was. So a lot more coming down the pipe on this one. So just stay tuned, and uh, we will be getting into it for sure. So I want to talk about something first of all before we talk about a couple of these other stories that I talked about on the uh, Thursday roundtable. Basically, I want to know uh, how everybody's feeling about this uh, DoorDash thing. So, okay, for those of you not familiar, for those of you that do rideshare or you do other platform work but haven't worked the DoorDash platform, I want to know how you guys feel about the terms of service that they... We all know that terms of service is a click box. You click, I agree. You can go on these platforms. You can earn. However, you're agreeing to the terms of service, whether you read them or not. Sometimes these terms of service get brought out in uh, during like an incident or something. So, like, let's you know, we don't talk about the terms of service. We don't ever sit around and discuss them. They should be discussed, um, at least bullet pointed out, and make sure everybody understands what these bullet points are. Because, like, right now we're facing one with DoorDash and. Nothing changed in the DoorDash terms of service. So it's just coming up because something happened with a driver that made it come about. And actually, it's it's a little bit of a crossfire here. And it's we're not even discussing that it's in the terms of service. But let me give you guys the lowdown. So on the DoorDash platform, there is a YouTube creator who uh, was doing DoorDash in Phoenix they had to um often they were subject to getting to locations only to find out that the location was closed okay so if you get there if you know the DoorDash platform or not 
when you get to the restaurant of the order that you have taken, um, it's supposed to work on the hours of operation that that business has listed with DoorDash. But as we all know, many of these businesses close early. Uh, they are shorthanded, so they might close for that reason. They're obviously not doing it to hurt their own business, but things are just happening right now that we're not used to, like short-staffed, all this kind of stuff. Well, if they close early, the DoorDash terms of service state that you already called DoorDash, if you're a Dasher, and that you can get um, you can get a cancellation fee or that the restaurant's not open fee. And they have that all listed, that that is the process. You do it and you get, um, it's, it's like a, it's like a cancel fee for like rideshare. So you're going to get your, you're going to get your minimal money for not doing any of the work because the restaurant is closed. Other than you might get to the, the location to have to find out it's closed. The person in Phoenix being accused uh, or, or the person in Phoenix who was deactivated by DoorDash was deactivated for doing this too much. So is there a too much, though? I mean, if you go to a location and you've been assigned an order, is there a too much? Is Because here's the thing, guys. So if the customer places the order with DoorDash, they're now expecting their food. Um, if the location is closed, shouldn't the driver be able to report that and collect their money? And if you want to say that the driver is doing it too much... That's a bad sign because that means that one single driver is more on top of what's going on and has a better pulse on assist on the on the market um, than the than the algorithm does. Because if the restaurant's closed, it should simply be closed. The customer should not even be allowed to order food if the restaurant is closed. Because I mean, that's just a. I mean, why would you? I understand that often these companies don't take into account the driver's feelings, how the driver feels about all this. Part of the perk of having us be independent contractors, correct? However, the customer, and even though they might say, well, hey, you know, things, it's just what happens. It's what it is. Is it though? Because we still want to have good customer service, even all the way up to the top. I mean, for DoorDash to take orders of a restaurant that isn't open have people hanging until they get it all worked out, which does take sometimes, it takes a few cancels on the part of the driver to even probably flag to the customer. Because a lot of these customers too, you got to always realize some of these customers are first timers. They're new. They don't really know what's going on. So they're kind of waiting for food, you know, and I know a lot of people are like, no, no, you know, <laughs> if you've ordered before, you're like, no, nobody's a first timer. Well, of course they are. If there weren't first timers, then how do you think the numbers would grow so high to allow there to be more than two million dashers in the United States? Um, that you know, that all is driven by the supply and demand. So the demand is there, you know, right now. And so if the driver is aware of a place that is shutting down, and he's sitting there and accepting orders. Because they're coming in, is that is that so wrong, or is that good? Because he's every time he's getting one, he's flagging it. So I mean, yes, as I've referred to in in the rideshare regard, we all have our fishing holes. We have our our favorite spots that we like to um, be on a fr on any given night in our market. 
We know whether we like to go to events as they let out. Like for me here in Denver, do I like to go after football games over to, you know, and, and deal with that crowd? Do I like to go to the Pepsi Center or the, you know, do I like to go to Coors Field? Do I like to go to any of these places as events let out? Because these are two different types of drivers. Just like the drivers who go and sit at the airport is a whole other, um, you know, group of drivers. I know people that go and sit at the airport staging lot until their next ride, and then they always try and get a ride back to the airport right away. So they're just literally hoping on airport hops back and forth and back and forth. So there's different types of drivers, of course. But if somebody's just sitting there and knows that it's it's some kind of like mishap, and every night at 8 o'clock, if they're in one spot, they can do this, that's maybe a little different. But when it comes to the fact of somebody getting an order, driving over to it, finding out the location's closed and then because they're so close to it you know they might they might report that one want their money as hey this the business was closed you guys got to give me my cancel fee well okay then that's paid but if they get another one or even let's say for god's sakes i mean a lot of these people get the same order again cuz they're the closest to the restaurant so they might get the same order that they already canceled and have a boomerang back to them in, regardless of whether or not it's the same customer or another one, if you're still sitting there, you know, I mean, isn't it, it's almost like a little bit of your obligation to like take it and somehow let the system know that the place is closed. I mean, enough is enough. You know, I've, I've really heard the drivers get, you know, scorned on this one for taking orders if they know the place is closed. But I'll tell you what, I'm not even, you know, I don't even need to say how I feel on this one. I I can just say this. Why doesn't DoorDash care enough to shut the restaurant down? I know, I know. It's, you know, there's so many things going on all over the United States. How could they keep track of it? Well, they could actually. <laughs> they actually could. They could have a form of communication that lets a plate that lets DoorDash know if a location's closing. You know, a simple executed code buy a business that lets DoorDash know that they're no longer taking orders until the next business day, uh, business hours on sheet, meaning that they have to close for whatever reason. You know, I mean, maybe, you know, who knows? Who knows that it's whatever reason, short-staffed, uh, staff party, um, any given type of day that just might have the restaurant closed. There should be a quick and easy, anybody who works there, has access to do this just like any restaurant employee would have access to shutting down the restaurant, locking up, cleaning up, um, handling the cash, handling the the transactions to get processed to the bank. Um, they should have that same access to say, hey, we aren't closing till 10 tonight on our hours on the website and what people see as listed open hours, but we are closing tonight right now at 8. So let me call that into a DoorDash number and give them my pound code, which turns it off for the night or something. Because I don't, I don't understand how a, a business DoorDash wants to even have the customers involved in this either. Well, what do you mean the business is closed? You took my order. I don't know. It seems like just across the board, bad, uh, bad, bad, bad business. Um, I really I don't know what else to say about it. It's just bad business. Um, I did want to touch on it though because I think it's a big deal. Uh, I think it's a big deal that I'm not saying that every DoorDasher should go around and uh, 
their fishing spot should become um, something that they learned is the maybe the incorrect hours. And the place does close every night at nine, but DoorDash hasn't listed till ten. Yeah, that's not what I'm saying. But I'm saying it is the responsibility of DoorDash to fix this issue because the same is not showing complete transparency, which I think is honestly borderline not legal when it comes to independent contractor status. But we will be seeing this unfold over the past over the next couple of months. Um, I really don't. I I don't know. The the companies need to come together. They need to care more. Stepping away from transparency, they need to care more about the customer side. Let's not even focus on the driver side for a minute. They should care about this from the customer side. And if they view it like, hey, that's just one customer, they they will come back. That that actually was a, something I brought up on Thursday was saying, well, you know what? The sad thing is they'll probably go back to using DoorDash regardless. But here's the thing. Shouldn't they get better treatment as a customer than just a, you know, oh, they were close. Sorry. Yeah. Figure a different place out. We'll refund your money. Like I don't know. The experience should be better whole for the customer, for the driver. And you might be saying, well, that's easier said than done. Maybe it is. However, I do happen to know that some fixes are able to be done. So why are they not being done? <laughs> um, yeah. <laughs> uh, New Zealand. You guys, we got to talk about New Zealand here real quick because I, I think it's... Uh, I think it's important, but New Zealand, um, last week, they, Uber drivers are now employees. Yes. In New Zealand, if you are an Uber driver, you are an employee now. Uh, we will see how that plays out. New Zealand is also a little bit of a different animal when it comes to how that market is regulated and how many drivers there are. And there's a lot of different factors. However, the most uh, intriguing thing I found going on with this is that the day that the case was won last week, okay, the day that New Zealand, uh, it was Tuesday, it was a week ago from today, uh, now all Uber drivers are employees, and that same day, you were put into a union. So they already have a union in place, and they have an amount and everything that it's starting at. Um, so we are now seeing what we've talked about and thought, oh my gosh, what if this were to really happen? Well, it really did happen. So here's what happened. Employees or New Zealand Uber drivers in one day became employees. And that same day, we've never seen this, became union members too. So I'm not really sure what New Zealand is like. I've never been there. Um, we do have, uh, one listener I know of that is in New Zealand. Um, she actually came over from, uh, the gig economy podcast from Jason Terry's show and her name, uh, I won't reveal, but if she's listening, um, very interested to see how this goes over the next few months, because even though New Zealand, from what I can tell is night and day different from everything we know here in the States and even in the United Kingdom, which are the primary two that we follow, uh, it's still something that happened. I mean, it's still a landmark case. So we talked about this way back about how Uber was going to have uh, video or audio recordings. Well, now those audio recordings are turning into video recordings as well. But if you remember when we talked about this, you might be thinking, like, whatever happened to that anyway? You know, we we did talk about that, but whatever happened to that? 
And, uh, you know, if the feature was set at the time to be if the if the driver wanted it, it was going to be, I don't even know if it went beyond test markets. But right now it is being tested in three U.S. cities live. That's New York City, uh, Cincinnati, and Louisville. And um, basically in those three cities, rideshare platforms are allowing audio recordings and uh, and video recordings. So, you know, they it, it will only be used for the purposes of safety. But here's my concern. Okay, why does Uber need to, like me, I have a cloud, uh, uh, I have a cloud storage dash cam. So if I'm using cloud storage on a dash cam, and I have my phone because that's 911, why do I need Uber recording my audio and video? Um, I know that some people might say, well, it's just for the protection of both sides. Okay, well, which phone is it being recorded from? Is it being recorded from the passengers, from the drivers, from both? And here's my thing. If this is the case, do you really, here's my question. Do you really not think that Uber is doing this simply for the data? Now, whether or not they can exploit the data and sell it, that's a different story. But can they use it and can they learn from the data, things about us that don't even have to do with safety. And if you think not, let's go back to the what else is going on with Uber right now, the uh, the ads in the cars. So we have advertising going on in Uber rides now that is based on where you're going, where you're being picked up from, other trips that you've taken in the past. So it's kind of already starting to like market things directly to you. However, really, it's starting to break apart groups of people and use data in a way that I would say is manipulative and should not be. This is the way that data should not be just freely used. Don't judge something. Oh, they live here. They're going here or they were here. They're going home. Um, That means we play them this ad. I don't think that's right. I don't think that that's what anonymous data is supposed to teach us. And obviously, this isn't anonymous data. This is actually direct advertising data based on your schematics that you've created with these companies. So, you know, <laughs> I don't know. There's there's some lines being crossed here. I don't I I also wonder about this audio video safety feature that they're talking about because to me I'm as safe as I can be anyway with my dash cam without Uber being involved. And because it's being uploaded to the cloud, if something were to happen and somebody were to grab my dash cam and rip it out of my car, I still have all of that recording because it is going up to the cloud. So to me, I'm already being as protective as I can. In fact, my uh, my dash cam, I can touch you know, emergency button, uh, there's emergency features. Um, there's a once every two mi- or once every five minutes that it, it says this is being recorded for both parties' safety. Um, so, okay, so I have a lot of features there. And to be honest, Uber uses uh, an interference, not interference, um, 
That is how I'm thinking of it. They run they run their own security department to decide whether or not you're getting to actual 911. Again, I'd rather have my my dash cam going and be able to call 911 on my phone. I know what 911 means. Means I'm in an emergency. That's why I'm calling it. I don't need to have somebody gauge my situation because my situation might not be gauge, gaugeable and it might not be that I can talk about it. Part of the safety feature is what you don't know what situation that person's in. So to me, I don't know. There's a lot of lines being crossed here. There's advertising that's being direct marketed. There is audio video recording that a lot of, oddly, a lot of drivers seem to be okay with. And I, for the safety portion, I am on board with that. I just don't believe that Uber is doing this for the reasons that that they're trying to let the media sell it as. Like, look at Uber tightening up their safety features. No, 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 no. Uber could have done this long ago. They waited until this meant something for them. So, um, yeah, because, I mean, the, like, when I talked about it, uh, you know, this feature, it, it was actually the end of 2021. It came around in a couple markets. So now we're a year later. I mean, it, this could have came around three, four years ago. But they just didn't need it then. So there's there's always when when I see see Uber do something like this, I I know that I should be more on board with. Well, they're just doing it to help the drive. No, they're not. They're really not. This company we we already know that about the company. You literally everything Uber does, you have to look for their motive. Um, you know. So as as a driver, yes, you you're an independent contractor using the Uber platform. So it's like you're not really counting on them for anything. I'm not. I don't count on them for my safety. I don't count on them to determine if my 911 call is actual legitimate and should be passed on to 911 or what how they want to handle it. In fact, I don't want to deal with Uber. I want to deal if I need safety, I want to deal with the police, my my dash cam app and what I know to do. So um I would I would challenge all of you to actually to to put that into your perspective, at least, is what would you do? You know, would your first, does this just make you feel safe because this is a feature that will be coming on board? Does it make, does it make you just think, well, Uber's actually trying to do something for us? Because if you do feel safer by this, I would love to know how. And again, you guys always know this. You can email me at steve at rideshareradio.com. And I would love to talk about this because I, I would love to hear if people think that there is a huge perk to this. And what it is, you know, what what is what is the big perk to to Uber putting this into the app? And if you think there is a huge perk, what do you think that Uber gets out of it? And maybe that's the wrong way to word it. However, that's the way I feel like it should be worded. What do you think Uber gets out of it? Because like our safety isn't they don't care about that. Okay, so I'm just being honest with you guys. They don't care about that. So what are they getting out of it? Because they're not just doing it out of the goodness of their heart. We already know this. Um, I'll leave you guys to think about that one. Now, proof that Uber is taking another turn in the wrong direction during a time when I feel like they should be very careful about the moves they make is Uber is now going to be taking fewer left turns for drivers. Okay. So first of all, I can use any navigation tools, apps I want to. I can use Waze. I can use Google Maps. I can use Uber. I can use Apple Maps. 
I could do whatever I want and use whichever I want. So how do they know I'm going to take fewer left turns? Because again, I was talking to a couple people about this. So if I if I take a left turn, now again, the safety data does point to the fact that fewer left turns means less crashes. So there's actually a 22% of crashes involve a vehicle making a left turn at an intersection. Okay, so that's like an example for the nation, right? So, okay, well, but if you're if Uber's going to reroute me to take three rights and it's going to take me six, seven minutes to get to what one left will take me to in one minute, I'm a good driver. I know how to make a left turn. I don't need to be rerouted for three rights because they don't think that I know how to make a left turn. Um, again, it seems like it seems like Uber's trying to stick their hand in to this so far that they're almost starting to treat it like employee status, which they've been fighting forever. So where are we at with all this stuff? Um, I, I don't, I, you know, it's going to be an interesting midterm. I think that I, what I think is going to happen is that for at least the time being, everything's going to be okay. Um, now watch next Tuesday, we will start already hearing the impacts of the election and I plan to do an episode next week um, based on a little bit of my conversation with Kim Cavan later this week. So it'll be an episode based on the fact that, you know, the the day I'm actually recording it next week will be the day that is your last day to vote. Um, and I think that uh, I want to get out the the different ways that this could look. And I think that uh, one, Kim is going to be a huge help for me on this. But two, we've been talking about this for a long time. I mean, this is employee status is huge. None of us want it. We've broke down the actual numbers. If you got 80% or 90% of the gig economy working less than 20 hours a week, you got 10% working full time. The full timers are the only ones that really you even need to vote from any or even need to hear from anyway, because obviously the 90% part timers, they don't want W 2 work. That's a fact. So you got 90% of the people working platforms uh, in the gig economy do not want it, do not want this because they couldn't. A, they don't want it because they work zero to eight, nine hours a week for extra earnings. That's all it is. But they couldn't have another W-2 because they already have a W-2. So you get into that problem. So there's 90% out of the way right away. So you're only dealing with the 10% who are really full-timing this. And at that point, even then, you get into people needing the flex time. And I'm telling you guys, I've told you this for a long time, looking at California's mistakes and saying, hey, Prop 22 didn't work. Yeah, Prop 22 didn't work. Think about how bad it would be with a union. (laughs) I mean... Prop 22 was to stop unions, and it doesn't work. It doesn't work for anybody. It doesn't work for the companies. It doesn't work for the drivers. Nobody. But we want to go a step farther and go right into unionship? This is this is just straight-up craziness to me. Um, there's, just, there's just no way. There's no way that this works on any level. Uh, let's see. Um, so we also, Washington, D.C. is also suing Shipped for misclassifying drivers as independent contractors. This was immediately, it was the day after the Biden administration uh, put down the gauntlet on the rule change. This was done in D.C. 
Now, shipped is Target. And they are saying that Target shipped, however you want to word this, misclassified drivers as independent contractors. And they are saying every um, full-time worker uh, on the platform in D.C. is an employee, not an independent contractor. That is not a fact. That has not been proven. That has not been nothing. I, I again, I don't understand how these DC sues ship for misclassifying drivers. Right now, they're not misclassified. Now, there's a challenge on the table to how that classification works, but they're not classified right now. So, how are they misclassifying drivers as independent contractors when there is no rule for that? I mean, even with a rule change, that's still going to be challenged. It's still going to be put into courts for a long time. But they're not misclassified. In fact, they're actually, even to the people who want this, who DC sues shipped, okay, well, to the people who want that, who want to say that they're misclassified, okay, they're not misclassified. And even if they do get misclassified, this lawsuit came before the misclassification. (laughs) I mean, look, we got to make sense of some things. We just can't live in a world that's just this beyond not making sense anymore. I mean, I've, we've been doing this for a long time. It's it's getting ridiculous. I mean, putting things into motion before, you know, like, hey, these people are all misclassified. No, they're actually not. They're correctly classified at the time being. Well, down the road, they're going to be misclassified. Okay, well, then down the road, we'll deal with that. But right now, how can you make a lawsuit when that's not a, a real thing? You guys, we are facing some really weird stuff here in this country. Um, and, you know... Basically, if we don't watch it, you know, what is the difference between this country and all the countries that we're supposed to be different from? You know, I mean, I, I don't know. You know, this is, you know, this is freedom. This is being able to, if you can, if you can build your own brand, if you can build your own business, if you can work for yourself, why wouldn't you? Why? I mean, like, I get that a lot, that some people don't want that. But I feel like, just like with technology, that's getting passed by. Like, nobody wants to feel like they have a boss. So even if it's like some people telling you, well, don't you feel like a boss with Uber? And the the very few percent that say, yeah, I do feel like that. Or like that I'm not my own boss, that the app controls me. Well, no, it doesn't. And even if it's somewhat dead, but you're allowed to pick when you work and which apps you work and this and that... I don't know. To me, losing that would be beyond a loss. Not only for the fact of I wouldn't work those apps anymore, but what else would be lost in this country? We can't take away the freedoms of being your own business. That's not what this country is about. This country is actually about independent contractors, if you ask me. I mean, that's independent contractors, self-employed. That's pretty much a dream, is it not? I think it is. I mean, if you got maybe somebody out there doesn't agree with me, I don't know. Um, but I think that that's the American dream is to be an independent contractor. How you might not call it independent contractor, but self-employed freelancer, uh, independent contractor, however you want to label it. Isn't that the American dream to work for yourself or to determine the work you're going to do, how, when, and where, and that you have the business to be able to do that, you have the customers to be able to do that. I think it is. I I think it's, I think it is. And I think that 
The country is moving in that direction regardless. The world is moving in that direction. We've already seen stats out. These stats are not um, flying cars and autonomous dates. These stats do have numbers attached to them. However, none of those numbers ever dip down. The bottom line is the world is moving to a gig economy. It's already there, but the world is moving into a gig economy. So why, why would we move away from it? Or try and classify drivers. We're supposed to be the nation setting the standard, no less. And self-employment and independent contractorship has been allowed in this country since, well, (laughs) since as long as I know. And much more so than other countries. So what? We're going to let the gig economy kind of redirect all the rest of the world, but we're not going to flow with it? We're the ones that need to flow with it. You guys, there's a lot of things going on here. Um, And yeah, (laughs) Uh, you know, speaking of, you know, I got, I got to bring this up, you know, too, is that over in, over in uh, Europe um, right now, you know, we got to remember that in 20, what was it? 2015 that Paris rioted, uh, the, the presence of Uber. And now Uber has squeezed the the taxi industries. Is this is how the, like Wired and all the um, all the magazines and uh, onlines and stuff have the these articles titled like this is Wired's for instance. Uber squeezed Europe's taxi drivers. Now it wants to hire them. I mean, did it? Yeah, it probably did. Did it go in? And yeah, I mean, the Travis era, we've all talked about it. There was some crazy stuff going on with other countries and the way that they brought these in. But again, we're talking about technology. But here's my question. And this is the story I'll leave this on this week. But here's my question is, did Uber squeeze the taxi drivers? Meaning, like, did Uber put the taxi industry under? And now the extra part is now it wants to hire them. But like, first of all, did it? Or did the taxi industry do that to themselves and Uber saw an opportunity to try and get a new way of transporting people? People, in my, in my opinion, I lived through a taxi generation. Um, gosh, I'm going to make myself sound old here, but, <laughs> um, you know, I, I did. I mean, I remember cabs. I remember growing up. I remember traveling and using cabs. I also remember cabs being not that nice, um, not super, you know, like when I needed them, they weren't always around. Calling for them didn't always mean they were coming. Uh, there, there was a lot of problems with cabs. And there was a lot of the same problems that we talk about with Uber and Lyft outside of the pay regulations and things like that, um, like people getting hurt or sexual assault, which is always bad, of course, but... Um, that used to happen in the taxi industry as well. In, in my opinion, the taxi industry killed itself and really tried to put this on Uber as their like dying breath. Now, I feel bad for the taxi industry. However, it had been going down for a long time. There were places like New York City that there I get a little I feel a little differently about all of this because I do feel bad for the medallion owners. In New York City, I, and not that I don't feel bad for every other taxi driver. If you lost, if you were a taxi driver and you lost your your position due to Uber, then I, of course I feel bad for you. 
However, I don't think that's how it happened. Unless you just came into the taxi game that late in the game. Because by 2009, 2010, when Uber was starting to be around, the, nobody was really using cabs. I mean, for God's sakes, there is still not to this day a universal taxi app. Meaning if I travel, if I go take a plane to wherever, I can land wherever in the United States and the world most places, but let's just use the United States. I can land in any airport in the United States, flip my phone on after it's been on airplane mode when I land, and summon an Uber to me in 10 to 15 minutes. There is not a universal cab app to this day that even that can you can land and just launch that app. You you have to land now, if you're whatever city you're landing in, you have to find that app for a taxi or else you have to call one. It's it's crazy. But what I will say is that Uber is is like technology. Now, do I am I whoa, am I actually calling Uber a technology company? Absolutely not. What did you meet me yesterday? Come on, guys. You know better. <laughs> you know better. <laughs> of course I'm not saying that, but what I am saying is Uber moved with the technology. So with the technology came Uber and a way to let people use their cars to transport other people at a time when the taxi industry had put its own nails in its coffin. Anyway, that's that's enough of my, my techieology about Uber because you guys know how I feel. Uber is not a technology company we went through this years ago talking about all this. They're not a technology company. However, they did move with the technology. So you guys, a um, couple things. I chomped on my tongue today. <laughs> I'm not kidding. I have to tell you this. I know it's the podcast, but I, I actually bit my tongue today. And I'm having crazy allergies. So I'm going to pull the plug on the podcast uh, for today. But when I'm back next week, we are going to talk about what's going on with all of this all the different outcomes that we could see from this election and beyond the election doesn't just have to be election oriented because as I will be talking about with Kim and I, I please all join us on Wednesday, uh, tomorrow, Wednesday, the second at 3 PM Eastern, 12 PM Pacific on rideshare rodeo, YouTube channel live. And you can get in the chat and you can voice your opinion. You can ask your questions Kim will be with me. Kim Cavan is a genius at this stuff. And we will be talking about the future of freelancers, independent contractors, self-employed, writers, graphic artists, you name it. We will be talking about it. Caddies. And there's a reason why I bring up caddies. And if you've seen my other interviews or heard them with Kim Cavan, you already know. So you've got a jump start. And if you haven't, you should look up Kim Cavan on the audio podcast side or on the YouTube channel, on my channel, and see the other pieces I've done with her. A couple, I've done a couple. One of them was about caddies. And I don't know if we'll get into that tomorrow or not. But regardless, you guys need to, you guys should check it out. Check that out. Uh, both of the interviews I've done with Kim in the past are great. And also next week, we will really be getting into ParaWorks. So, um, you guys, I'm so excited about this. And I know a lot of you might be scratching your head thinking, well, I thought you've been with Para forever. I have. I have been, I have, I have been doing things for Para since it was autonomy.jobs before it was ever Para. 
However, I never stuck the channel, the brand. We kept them separate. David and Para ran with it. And I was more about like the driver side, the advocate side. But now my role is going to change a little bit. And I'm going to be doing a lot of work on the para work side. And I'm so excited about this because as you guys know, I've become a more of an off-brand guy. <laughs> you know, I like curry. Um, I like ship during the holidays, speaking of that we just talked about from DC. Um, you know, I like other apps. I like apps that like when Hannibal and I talk about beyond the algorithm, when we do that show every couple weeks on his channel, um, we're talking about apps that aren't or or gigs that might not even be apps. You might have to go to the websites to find these apps. But I love those apps. And those are the better paying ones. I mean, if you really want to look at the best paying and you're you know super responsible and you want to be on top of, of doing something and maybe it even feels a little more intense to you is that you know look into, uh, look into last mile services for medical couriers and things. You guys might be shocked at what that pays. Now, there's a little more to it, but the pay is two to three to four times better. So, um, you know, do you want to work the apps or do you want to, you want to set, and it doesn't need to be medical career. We all might have our issue with that. Um, uh, Hannibal and I have definitely discussed that, but we've discussed uh, dumpling, you know, that's which is truly running your own business. You guys are going to start seeing parts of Project Dumpling here on the web, on, on the podcast, because I have my first uh, dumpling customer and by next week, I hope to have that up and roll, rolling already. So we will start having some feedback. And I obviously will, you know, the first time I do it might not be the the time that I do a, uh, what is it, a shop along or something? I don't know. Uh, but, <laughs> but, you know, maybe it will be. I don't know. You guys have to stay tuned. Uh, but for right now, wish my tongue health and uh, wish my breathing a little help, health. I can't believe I did both on the same day. But the tongue thing is really driving me nuts, and I've had to use uh, it was Ambisol because uh, I had to numb around it. It just hurt too bad. So, you guys, I know it's a little short, but that's going to be a wrap. But next week's going to be big, so don't miss it. And we are going to talk Paraworks in detail. So join us back here next week and uh, go out there and spin some good into this crazy world. We'll see you back here next week. Oh. Rodeo. Peace.